Hi, this is Pastor Bob. This is number five in my series on Continue in the Word of God. And today we're going to talk about the importance of hearing. He that hath ears to hear, you have them. Keep on hearing. That's the key to it. Continue, continue, continue in my word. We'll get the importance of that today. Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. Man, I've enjoyed this. I just enjoy it, teaching each day. And the, the amount of letters I'm getting, the, you know, the emails and things like that is just incredible. And just people just saying, to, it's calling in and saying, we just love the broadcast. Thank you so much. That's music to my ears. Not that I need all the proud pats on the back and all that. It's just good to know what I'm doing is affecting what it's supposed to and affecting people's lives. I don't preach to, you know, necessary just to please God, although I want to please him. I preach because I want to see people's lives change. The things I've experienced, you can experience. What the Word's done for me, it can do for you. This series I'm teaching right now, again, is on continue in the Word and how important that is. We began with the uh, with the parable in chapter 4 of the book of Mark on the four types of ground. We then went and talked about the four types of vessels in the church in 2 Timothy chapter 2. And there we talked about, again, the four different types of vessels. Again, speaking of the same thing. In one, the sower is the pastor, and in this case, also the pastor is the one who preaches the word. And uh, again, what we find is just different ones. One has to do with the ground, one has to do with vessels, because vessels are to be used by God. God wants to use you. And if he, you know, if you're a vessel of, of, of clay, he still uses you. He wishes you'd move on up to becoming a vessel of wood and then pass wood in a vessel of silver. That's really one usable for God. But then the golden ones are the best ones. And God, like the four types of ground, once you progress to that, where even the fourth type of ground moved from 30 to 60 to 100 fold. But I've been telling you about the fact that the whole key to both of them is the local church, coming to where the word is taught, continue in the word. And he said, if you continue my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And they kept on hearing the word of God, how important that was. And they came to receive the word of God. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And continuing steadfastly means you hear it, and you hear it, and you hear it, and you hear it. And nothing stops you from hearing. And so again, we've taken that up in those particular parables. And we talked about too, the first type of ground doesn't hear at all, or he might just, it might come into his ear, but he doesn't receive it. And Satan comes immediately to steal the word that was sown in his heart. The second time, immediately receive the word of God and have joy for a while. But if Satan cannot immediately steal it, then he will bring in other things into your life to get your attention off the word of God so he can steal the word out. It's not you he hates. It's the word he hates. It's not your talent that he wants. It's the word you have in your heart. That's what he is after. He doesn't care if you're talented. He'd like to use it out there for the world instead of for the church, instead of for the glory of God. So that's where it all comes back to. And Satan's desires to keep you from hearing the word of God. Because why? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So he sends all all these things and the difference between hard ground and stony ground is stony ground hurt a little bit longer. 
the thorny ground hurt a little bit longer, but something happened to where they quit after a while and they didn't continue on. But the fourth type of ground has persisted through the hard ground, stony ground, thorny ground, and kept on hearing and kept on hearing. And the word has helped to remove the stones and remove the thorns. They've now become good ground. But even after that, they keep on growing from 30 to 60 to 100 fold. This is a lifetime process. Salvation is instantaneous, but discipleship takes your entire life. Salvation saves your spirit, but God wants your soul renewed. And that takes the rest of your life, the renewing of the mind to where all of a sudden your mind is no longer there, but the mind of Christ is in you. And whatever circumstance you face, you face it with the word of God. So we've been talking about that type of ground, the uh, hard ground, or the past the hard ground, we go to the stony ground, and this is the one who became offended so easily immediately. They receive the word with gladness, but have no root in themselves because of the stones that are under the ground. And then immediately it says they, that happens after that is they become offended. And we talked about that. So let's recover some of those points on the fence. Number one, an offense is a molehill that becomes magnified into a mountain. It's not over some major sin in the church. No, it's over carpet colors, wall colors, pews instead of chairs or chairs instead of pews. The sound system's too loud. The sound system's not loud enough. The auditorium's too cold. The auditorium's too hot. We sing too many hymns. We don't sing enough hymns. We sing too many new songs. We stand too long. The service should end sooner. People become offended at me, the clothes I wear, the cars I drive, the decisions over the future of the church and their minor things personally or else their minor things in the church. And so people get offended over that. I told you a number of people left the church because I bought a Mercedes one time. It was a used one. They didn't ask me what I paid for it, nor did they even say, I like your car. Will you drive me around the parking lot? Nobody asked that. I don't get offended if they get a Mercedes, but they get offended if I have a Mercedes. And all these different decisions. Can you imagine one day you'll be standing in heaven at the judgment seat of Christ and God will look at your graph and say, man, here's where you got saved and look at your growth. Look how it grew up. What happened right here? Pastor bought a Mercedes. I quit going to church. Can you imagine? Oh, they wouldn't turn the temperature down in the auditorium. I asked him to sing more hymns. They wouldn't do it. I quit the church because all of that because of an offense. An offense is again a molehill. It becomes magnified into a mountain and suddenly it's so big you can't see anything of it. They got offended at my wife. Why? She didn't play in the orchestra. Although she could play a keyboard, she didn't do that. She didn't sing with the praise and worship leaders, nor did she teach. Uh, they asked her to teach. She wouldn't teach. And the point of it was you didn't hire my wife. You hired me. My highest aspiration is for my wife to be my wife and to be the mother to our children, to take care of those things when I come home. It's great to have a wife that hasn't been traveling in some ministry or hasn't been to church practicing all this. She wants number one to be my wife and number one to be the uh, mother of the children and all these things. Now, if she wanted to, that would be fine. But the point of it is, let my wife alone. I'm the pastor of the church. An offense didn't happen to everybody. It only happened to you. Pastor didn't say hi to me in the hallway. The youth director has something against my teenager. The praise and worship leader didn't like my voice and now ignores me. Your class has a party and didn't get you invited. 
An offense, again, are these things which major happen, and you see it as major, but it wasn't offensive to anybody else, only to you. And it didn't happen to everybody. Like I singled you out and didn't say hi to you in the hallway, or the youth director singled out your child as if you're something special and somehow didn't pay attention to your child. Understand it, even if it seems like it, give them a break. They're just human. And perhaps they didn't see what you see. Why don't you go talk to them and you'll find out they'll probably apologize. Say, I'm so sorry. Man, we didn't mean to let your child out. We don't sit around each week and have a meeting over who to ignore in the church. No, we have meetings to find out how we can better bless everybody. And sometimes somebody falls through the cracks and that's the person that often gets offended and leaves the church over it. An offense is a side issue and it consumes your attention. It's a tool of Satan to take your attention away from the real issue, which is the word of God. Now you're preoccupied with what others may think or may not think about you. An offense is like a pair of glasses. You put them on and you see everything through your personal hurts. You're critical of the worship where you didn't before because of one offense on the side. Now you're critical of everything. You're critical of the worship. You're not critical of the announcements. You're critical of the prayer time. Now you're critical of the teaching and all these things that you used to enjoy. Now your attitude eventually justifies you leaving the church and going somewhere else. Now you sit in this new church finding fellowship with other bitter people who are waiting for the failure of the church they came from, knowing any moment they're gonna go under because of the way they treated you and they don't even know it. Here's the point of it is, you're miserable over there and you think your misery justifies you and here's a church over here that doesn't even think about you now. You've been gone for so long and yet you're hoping somehow that by you being over here, it's gonna hurt this church over here and that's exactly wrong. You thrive on rumors of dissension in your former church and you're only hurting yourself. In the church you came from, people are still being saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, blessed, learning the word of God, and you're being left out. And a few years later, you finally just quit going to church at all. It's so, I find it so often. When I question somebody, have you ever heard from so-and-so? They left the church. And, you know, and, and, and whatever happened, they say, you know, last I heard they weren't going to church anywhere. And what a sad thing that is because Satan has now won. The pressures he brought against you, the trials of life, the persecutions of life, all these things to get you away from the word of God. He not only got you away from the word of God, he got you away from the place that teaches the word of God. I told you before, I buried people on Saturday that I believe should not have died walked into my church on Sunday morning and failed to recognize somebody who walked by me because my brain wasn't there at the moment and the person I failed to say hi to is now offended over it. Well, the point of this is give us a break. Pastors are human too. God doesn't choose perfect people to fill the pulpit, nor does he have perfect people filling the, the pews or the chairs. One woman disagreed with my teaching when they came to me and said, you don't deserve to be in the pulpit. I said, you're right, and you don't deserve to sit in the congregation. No one is allowed in church because they deserve it. The one standing behind the pulpit or the one sitting in the pew. If we hung a sign over the front door and said, all people that are worthy may enter, no one could come in. 
We come on the merits of Jesus and his blood, not our own works. And also we have the highest priority of honoring those in the church, not just the guy in the pulpit, but everyone around us honoring them because why? We're all members of the royal family of God, which means what? You give them the break that you would wanna have. You treat others as you wanna be treated. In other words, the golden rule. I may not wear clothes you like, but then you don't wear clothes I like. But what difference does it matter? It's not the clothes I'm wearing, it's the word I'm preaching. And again, if you come and complain about the clothes I'm wearing, you're probably staring at my clothes and not listening to the sermon. But then you don't like the clothes I like? That's the point. We like different things. We like different cars. We like different clothes and all that. I buy what I like. You buy what you like. And guess what? Unless you're coming to church wearing a bikini or something and showing everything you've got, then we'll have a problem. But in the meantime, wear the clothes you want. I'll wear the clothes I want. I may not think your clothes match, but you know what? Who cares? We're not here because we're trying to be some kind of fashion contestant. No, we're here because we want to observe the word of God and grow in it. I wouldn't leave the church if someone else bought a Mercedes, but somebody left the church because I did. The only thing you should care about is the quality of the word being taught. Nothing is said in the word of God about my clothes and the sower that what he wore when he got out there to sow the seed. These are all side issues. All that's necessary for success is a sower, seed, and ground, period. A minister The quality of the word taught at open hearts is what's necessary for a church to grow and to prosper. I've even ministered in foreign countries. You know what? Some of the countries I ministered in had no chairs, no electricity, and no music. We met out in a field one time. We sat on hay bales and we had to have the meeting before the sun went down because they had no electricity of which and people came from everywhere. I noticed that's when I thought nobody's complaining about anything. I had one lady in our church. We had paved the parking lot, but we hadn't paved all the parking lot yet because we were doing it in stages as we raised money. And part of the parking lot was gravel. And this lady said, I can't get to church on time. There's things I have to do on Sunday morning. And when I get here, I have to park in the gravel parking lot. I'm gonna leave because that said, why? She said, because the gravel gets in the tread of my tires. Really? That's why? You're gonna stand in heaven one day and God's gonna say, how come your graph went up and then fell off all of a sudden? I got gravel in my tires. So the important thing is, again, to understand and grow from the word of God. We'll see you right after the break. The early church saw great success by continuing in the word of God. Success in your walk with God is found when you continue in his word. God wants you to have an abundant entrance into heaven, and that is only possible as you become a disciple of Jesus and study His Word. In this seven-part teaching by Bob Yandian, you'll gain insight into the importance of the Word for success in your daily life as a child of God. Lessons include why do we go to church, power and refreshing, overcoming offenses, excuses and reasons, the cost of discipleship, the cost of commitment, and the lifestyle of a disciple. To order Continue in the Word, visit our website at bobbyendian.com. A new book just came in. I've been waiting on this book, Theology Simplified. This is a class I teach at Karis Bible College, and I've been waiting to put this into a book. It's eight different theological terms that sound difficult 
but actually are very simple. I just simply think the Bible sometimes is filled with complicated sounding words, but you break it down, it becomes very simple. This book is called Theology Simplified. Let me tell you what all it covers. It covers predestination, it covers reconciliation and sanctification, it covers glorification, justification, redemption, propitiation, and election are all covered in this book. And again, big words with simple meanings. I bring it down to you. Go to my website, bobtheandian.com. You'll find how you can have a copy for yourself. Blessings upon blessings to you. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. You know, after telling you all these things, you're probably thinking, I'm not sure I'd want to be a pastor. Well, it's not a job I would take simply because it's a job. It was a calling that I had. And I honestly loved pastoring, even though there were people that were hard ground and stony ground and thorny ground. You know what? Kept looking toward that good ground because why? That's where God wants you to be and where God wants you to come. You know, I had one couple come to our church. They were invited by another couple in the church to come. This man was a dentist that they invited and his business practice was not doing very well. They had attended a church for years that didn't really teach much of the word of God. They were caught up more in the ritual of church and all the observances they had. And instead of doing, instead of giving the word of God, they had all this substitution. And so they were faithful, but they'd never been saved, never been filled with the Holy Spirit. And this one couple kept inviting them. They finally came to the church and their life was changed. They couldn't believe the worship when they walked in, the joy in the church and all this. They'd never seen anything like it. And they sent toward the back. But anyway, what happened in the very first service they attended, their two daughters were born again and filled with the Holy Spirit in the youth meeting. And the couple was born again later. They didn't get born again that first time, but they couldn't quit thinking about the church. They came back later and this time moved closer to the front. And the couple got born again one week and a couple weeks later got filled with the Holy Spirit. They joined the church and they started inviting many of their friends. Again, he was a dentist. God began to bless his practice and the, the problems he was having began to iron out. Their marriage had been in terrible condition and God began to heal their marriage. And one Sunday I noticed they were not in church. And so I, you know, I thought, well, they're on a vacation. Second week they weren't in church, I noticed, because why they sat down the, near the front row, always on the second or third row, always had their notepads out and they'd been attending now for two or three years. But what I noticed was one Sunday they weren't there and I thought, well, where are they? And I thought, okay, they're on vacation. Next time they weren't there, I thought, okay, it's a two-week vacation. Third week, I began to think, uh-uh, something's wrong. I haven't heard from them. And so I called him. I called him at his office. And he was shocked that I called him at his office. I said, I haven't seen you in church for a couple of weeks. You've been on vacation? He goes, uh-uh. He started, I knew the moment he started him hawing around, something was wrong. And I said, come on, what's the problem? He says, well, to be honest with you, pastor, we've grown too big. The church has just got too big. We used to know many people. Now we feel like there's just a sea of strangers. 
My first thought was, wait a minute, you helped. You brought visitors. You not only loved the church, you started bringing others. You helped us with this problem. But I kept my cool. I kept listening to him. And then he said, my wife asked me, if we were having marriage problems again, would Pastor Bob come and see us personally or invite us in to talk to us? And the man said, no, he's too busy. He'd probably have one of the counselors in the church talk with us. And she then said, well, if we were sick in the hospital and dying, would Pastor Bob come and personally pray with us? He said, no, he probably would send a hospital minister to pray. Pastor Bob's too busy to see anybody now. I asked him what church he and his family were attending. I said, you are attending church? Oh yeah, yeah, we're, we're going to a church, but we found a little small church. It's got about 50 people in it. At the time we were running about 2,500 at our church. And he said, it's about 50 people. And he said, the pastor, uh, you know, has, has with these 50 people, he's wonderful. I knew the moment he mentioned that church, I knew something. This pastor didn't believe in the infilling of the Holy Spirit, didn't preach a lot of the word of God, did not believe in healing, did not believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, anyway, so I asked him about this and I said, so what church are you going to? He told me, and I said, wait a minute. And he says, I know they, 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 don't, they don't do that, but we wanted a church where everybody was like family. We also decided because this church was small and they didn't preach these things, we knew this is what caused the other church, that's our church, to grow. So we knew if he didn't believe in the gifts of the Spirit, he didn't believe in the Holy Spirit, they weren't going to grow. And we wanted the church to stay small. I was shocked as I was hearing all these things from the other end. And he said, if they believed in the gifts of the Spirit and they believed in him, they would have grown. And listen, by this time, I was angry. And I tried my best not to let my anger come through. And I asked him a question. I said, are you and your wife really having marriage problems? Are you sick and dying? He said, no, but I know you still wouldn't come. I said, wait a minute. You didn't ask if I would come. Would your new pastor come to the hospital and pray with you? He said, yes. We asked the pastor. He said, I personally pray with everybody in the hospital and with people having marriage problems, I personally counsel with all of them. And so I said, so let me get this right. You're not sick and you're not having marriage problems and you don't think I would come. Why didn't you ask me if I would come? But on top of that, let me ask you one question. If I didn't come, would you rather one of my counselors come and pray the prayer of faith over you or your new pastor come to the hospital and hold your hand until you die? I mean, he got offended that he was even mad at me after that. But you know what? I'd had enough of it. I thought, wait a minute. You're not even seeing the real issue. What if pastor didn't come? What if Jesus would have sent his disciples over like he did to cast out the devil at a little boy? Maybe that father was offended because Jesus didn't come personally, but Jesus sent his disciples. This is what church workers are for. This is why you have a staff to understand something. It doesn't have to be my hands that are laid on you. Anybody's hands can be laid on you. They're filled with faith because the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And it doesn't matter if it comes from the pastor or not, because why? When I go on vacation, people still get healed at the church. Why? Because whoever is preaching from the pulpit lays hands on them or even invites people up at the end from the church staff that lay hands on them. Why? Because you can even ask for the elders of the church. You don't have to have the pastor of the church lay hands on you. It really doesn't matter who counsels you. What's important is the word they use and the faith they use. And you ought to be rejoicing in the end that you got healed, not necessarily because it was the person you wanted, laying hands on you. So again, we get come back to this. Let me give you a guard against being offended. Get involved. 
The more you're involved in church, the less chance you have of being offended. You know why? Because you'll begin to understand when people get offended at you and you're helping in the church and you did your best to help them, yet they got offended at you over some molehill that got magnified into a mountain. What am I saying? The more you get involved, the less chance you have of getting offended because you begin to see at times what people can really be like. You run into the hard ground. You run into the stony ground. You run into the thorny ground. And this is what the Lord is saying. So how? Ways to leave and not to leave a church are very important. And there's proper ways to leave a church. I don't mind when people leave the church. Oh, it hurts me if they've been there for some time. But there's times when people have left the church and said, Pastor, we believe that we're supposed to be in this church over here. We're gonna take the things we've learned here and go over there. And Pastor, we really don't wanna leave. We love you. We love this church, but we really feel like it's God. I don't wanna stand in the way of God. There may be times it is time to leave and go to another church. And I'm just glad you're being able to take what you've learned here and take over there. In fact, one couple that left our church felt led as they drove by a Lutheran church every Sunday morning coming to our church. They felt led they were supposed to go there and they wouldn't go. And they told me one day in church, pastor, what do you think? My wife and I for the past few weeks have been driving by this Lutheran church and every time we do, we feel led of God, we're supposed to be there. And pastor, why would God do that? Take us from this church to a Lutheran church. I said, I don't know, but I'll give you an idea. Go there one week and sit on the back row and just see what you feel. Be like those spies that went and spied out the land and go try it. And they said, okay. So they weren't there next Sunday. And they came back the following Sunday after that crying and said, pastor, you know what happened? We decided, we go, We walked into that church to do what you did, sit on the back row, and the moment we came through the door, a number of people turned around and looked at us and said, you're the people. They said, what do you mean we're the people? They said, we have a group of people in our church that are spirit-filled, but we don't know what to do. The pastor doesn't mind if we're filled with the spirit. He just doesn't know what to tell us to do. And we've been praying for someone to come to church here and tell us what to do. And when you walked in and we looked at you, we knew immediately you're the couple. And they said they burst into tears. They started crying that the things they had learned in our church, they could now take to another church. And they stayed at that church for a number of years. And later on, they died, went on to be with the Lord. And I thought, I had a part to do with that. How wonderful. There's proper ways to leave a church but don't leave church because you're offended. Leave church the proper way if it's time. And if it's not time, stay with where you are. Go talk to somebody about maybe an offense that came up and find out what the other side is. There's always two sides to an issue. It comes back to this, our key verse found there in Mark chapter four, verse 23. If any man has ears to hear, let him keep on hearing, keep on hearing, keep on hearing. Pastor, ignore me, keep on hearing. The youth director turned against much. keep on hearing. I mean, the music's too loud, keep on hearing. The auditorium's not cold enough, keep on hearing. Go talk to some people about these problems, but if it doesn't get settled and you're in the right church, put on an extra coat in the church service if it's too cold, but keep on hearing, keep on hearing. Don't fall for Satan's devices. Next of all, in verse 24, he said, take heed what you do here. For with what measure you measured out, it shall be measured to you again. To those of you who keep on hearing, more shall be given. But to he who has not ears that keep on hearing, it's, it will be taken from him that which he already has. And so that we find that in verses 23 through verse 25. And from there we move to thorny ground. What is thorny ground? Verse 18, these are those which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word of God and the necessities of this age and the deceitfulness of riches, 
the lust of other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. No ability to produce more. So listen, this is talking about passing the blessing test. Before this, we had adversity and now we have prosperity. And in this particular case, what happens is you stay in church long enough that you pass the hardness test. You get past the uh, the stones, the ground filled with rocks. Now you come to this one where now you're starting to get blessed by God and prosperity starts to come into your life. But what happens, some people can't pass the prosperity test. When prosperity comes, all of a sudden it's like all my needs are met and the pressure for bills and the pressure for the need of finances begins to back off and you suddenly have more, no more need of God. You don't understand that God blesses you not only to get your uh, needs met, not only to pay your bills, but now so you can start to give into the kingdom of God and you come to that point and now you leave the church. Testing and its source. Adversity comes from Satan, but prosperity comes from God and both can be a test. The adver adversity test says, God says, Satan's gonna come and attack you. Will you still stay in church? The next thing, I'm gonna prosper you. But then will you now begin to look around and say, well, I don't need to come to church. My bills are paid. I can buy another car. I can buy a boat and go out on Sundays. Don't need to come to church. Are you willing to keep God first and become a giver? Even Abraham had to put Isaac on the altar, that wonderful gift of God. There comes a time when you take your blessings and you lay them on the altar before the Lord and say, Lord, you're still above everything else, above all the prosperity I have and all the blessings I have. You are still number one. And I will continue to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I will keep on hearing, keep on hearing, keep on hearing. I'll see you next week. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. Visit bobyandian.com. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.